Now it's time for this. News Talk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Irish Jobs. When it comes to hiring the right people for your business, you could say we've got a talent for talent. And this week we've an Executive Chair with a difference because uh, we're not in the studio. Uh, we're not on O'Connell Street. We're down here with a wonderful view over Dublin Port uh, in the EXO building. And my guest for the Executive Chair this week is Mr. David McRedmond, the CEO of OnPost. David, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Bobby. Great to be here. We've, got, we've lots to talk about from Post and all the recent things happening, Christmas and letters and parcels and all that good stuff. But let's go back a bit first um, to the uh, to the suburb of Dundrum where you grew up. You uh, you went to college in UCD. I didn't know this about you, but I, f- I found out since that you were a, a, an operator in a taxi business, uh, a, a taxi dispatcher uh, in your early career days, a late night one at that. That must have told a few stories. It does. It was overnight and uh, paid for me to get through college. And it was an overnight paging company and taxi uh, hailing company and it was yeah they were you know you'd work was no problem you'd work midnight to 8am it was a great shift to work and uh, yeah it does teach you a lot teach you a lot about what what hard work really is you know um, but also it's fantastic to see what happens to a city at night time yeah. the city shrinks and becomes far fewer people and you know the taxi men would drop in some donuts they got Mm-mm. from the one donut shop that was open or something or coffees from the one place that was open and this was before the days of Starbucks and insomnia and uh, you know so fascinating yeah well I was probably around the same time maybe even a couple of years earlier I worked in the coffee dock in Juries, which was also probably the only place that uh, night time activity and again a lot of stories can be told yeah. from those days yeah where but, love stories began in the coffee Dark, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, move, move us on then to Waterstones. I think you started with them in in the UK. Ultimately, went to the US as you did with another business as well. How did you get your foothold into Waterstones? I had run out of money in London. I'd been there for six weeks, and I remember walking to the interview. It was about a three mile walk. And I desperately needed the job in the bookstore. And Tim Waterstone interviewed me and it was the second Waterstone's bookstore and I got the job. And that was it. And I then became great friends with Tim Waterstone and a gang of people. And and over the years, we built up the biggest book chain in Europe and then brought to the United States. And, you know, wonderful days of really... Uh, It was a sense, a company with a mission, and that's where I learned that, you know, and the mission was simply to make great books available to everybody and to to open bookstores wherever you can and not to fall for the old thing that, oh, only posh people are interested in books or, uh, you know, this will intimidate people if it's like this. We're like, you know, as far as we were concerned, the more literary the bookstore, the better. And, And of course... Of course, there are millions and millions and millions of people who want to read books. You moved on then to WH Smith, where again, you started in the UK and then ended up, uh, we need a guy in America, and you put up your hand. Yeah, well, I was in, WH Smith bought Waterstones, and I also had the saddest day in my career. I didn't want to leave Waterstones, and I had to go into WH Smith. And I was put in charge of the railway station shops, which were the 
absolute dire end of, of the business. And so I often nowadays tell people, go to the worst bit of a business, and that's where you can make the greatest difference. And myself and uh, I appointed a good team and, and we built up what's called WH Smith Travel Retail. And um, in retailing terms, that means having separate supply chains, separate type of business, separate merchandising. And you'd know all about that, Bobby. And that's what we built up. And it's become the saviour of WH Smith. And WH Smith is one of the few chains that survived. And mainly because of travel retail. And that was in the UK. And it was one of those kind of great years in a career uh, of not many great years. It was one of those great years where everything worked. And then they asked me to go to the United States and sort out a business they had there, which was also travel retailing. And probably more mixed results there. But, uh, but you know, fantastic opportunities to, to see the world. Uh, then back to Ireland uh, into Aircom as commercial director, uh, which I think you, you you still have connections there, which is interesting. Uh, again, you you strike me as somebody who never really leaves a business. No, I, ne- I never leave anything. It's such a pain for everybody. Um, yeah, I went into Aircom as, uh, uh, and became commercial director, and uh, you know. It was years when it was owned by private equity and working with Tony O'Reilly, who was great, and with a management team, you know, and it was, you know, I'll be honest, they, they weren't the happiest days in my career. They were tough times. Um, it was the Celtic Tiger. I'd just come back from the United States. I didn't really understand what was going on here. It was the Wild West. Yeah. and. I really felt that, and I felt that in Aircom. I felt, this is the Wild West. There's no, there's no real plans. There's no real, you know. Yeah, it's doing certain things and certain bits of financial engineering, but, but it seemed to lack the depth mm. that, uh, that businesses in the UK or the US would have, which would not be surprising, you know. Um, it had been a semi-state until very recently before that, and, you know, there wasn't a huge management culture in Ireland. There was obviously some great managers, but they were usually the exception. And so I found it very interesting and, and developed on from there. But after seven years and a lot of change, I said, no, look, I really need to do my own thing. And I left and then uh, I got appointed to run TV3, which was owned, also owned by private equity. But that was very different. That was a that was a bit more like going back to my Warstones days. Yeah. You know, our job was to was to shake the RTE tree and 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 rock and roll, you know, for for the next few years yeah. and really try to get uh, something happening in, in in television here and uh, with with really young people yeah. and you know very low pay, really young, incredibly hardworking, very yeah. committed to a cause. And uh, and for a couple of years, it just boomed. Everything we did worked, and then the recession hit, and that became a very hard time then. And getting a business through the recession. Let's talk about on post. How long have you been here now? Well, I've been here seven years, yeah. and they've asked me to stay for another three. Um, I, I probably twisted their arm, but uh, and I can tell you, I've never enjoyed a job so much. I absolutely love it. Now I keep my foot in the in in the private sector because I'm also chairman of Air. But uh, no, I love Unpost. It's yeah. it's a company again which has that sense of purpose. I really broad sense of mission which is to act for the common good and it really believes it and that's from you know that's from our front lines that's from our postmen and postwomen and post office clerks that's where it comes from they're 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 very clear they're, they don't work for me they don't work they probably don't even really work for us they work for the local communities they work for their area you know and it's so with that sense of purpose 
I think you can achieve an awful lot and and you can really motivate people. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a fascinating model in, in terms of a business that's steeped in heritage and history and all sorts of really good things, but also a business that needed to change. So maybe keeping what's good and wonderful about the past but trying to bring it to a place where it actually becomes a different business. Is that the magic that you need to, co- to conjure up here? I, it's, it's exactly that. I mean, it's, uh, I've, I've told you before, my favourite books is The Leopard by Lampedusa and about regime change, Ancien Regime, Garibaldi and Sicily. And it's got the famous line, for things to stay the same, everything must change. And you must adapt. You must stay ahead. You, you know, it's not about the inside world. It's about the world outside. And you must stay ahead of the world outside. We've just moved our HQ this year from the GPO to the EXO. And it's not just a physical move. It's, it's also a move. It's a, it's a philosophical move. It's a psychological move. Yeah. Because we've moved from an old world into a new world. And, you know, we're now looking over one side of us. We look over the port. And we we're literally, looking we're looking at it now. And you can yeah. literally see the ships coming in and out with, with all the parcels that we deliver. We'll deliver 7 million this Christmas. Yeah. And the other side of us is the financial services uh, uh, sector going all the way up the, up the keys. And that's, again, an area that the post office network is modernizing in. And I think that when you're here, when you're in a building like this, you can actually talk about becoming a DigiCore, which we are, talk about being a fintech, which we are, talk about being an e-commerce. That all sounded slightly odd when you're in the GPO and and you're you're looking down what used to be Sackville Street and uh, you know. So are the shackles off then? I suppose theoretically, when you move from the GPO to a building like this, in terms of you obviously want to keep the heritage and history of the GPO, but the main driver of the business is elsewhere. Yeah, the driver. Look, the driver now is the future. We've been through the pandemic. It was a very you know, and Post, I think, played a very important role in the pandemic. And uh, but that was expensive for us. Now we're back to making money. Uh, we're doing really well this year. Our EBITDA will double compared to last year. We're uh, strongly cash positive. We've repaid our government loan. So we're a business for the future. And that's what we want. But, you know, that's just the HQ. You know, our business is still always out there. It's in villages, communities, yeah. suburbs. And it's our postman and postman, and they're out doing their jobs. And you know what? They they go with the times. They're the ones now driving electric vehicles. They're the ones who've had to learn to move from a letters business to a parcels business. And that's where it's happening. So you've got to reflect it in all parts of an organization. You can't have a center that's stuck in in the past and feeling like, well, we like being in the city center, like being in the GPO, and we like doing it. You can't. Yeah. You know, we've got to modernize. We're here to service our front lines. Finally, it's the it's uh, the day before Christmas Eve. Your work is largely done in terms of Christmas, but how important is Christmas uh, to the business that is on post? I was just talking to colleagues the other day about this. It's actually becoming ever more important. Um, what we call peak, it's called peak in our industry, and the peak is getting peakier, as they say. You know, and seven million parcels. You know. You know, five years ago, we were barely doing a million parcels in December. Seven million. Yeah. That's that's uh, over three for every household in the country. And um, so, you know, Christmas is, is really important. One of the things, though, is it's 
it's nice to be it's nice to be here in Dublin and in Ireland at Christmas because I think we do still we do still celebrate Christmas. And Christmas card sales are higher in Ireland than in other places because Christmas cards still matter. And, uh, you know, the magic of Christmas won't go away. I, I think it's wonderful. And and it's particularly wonderful for the postmen and postwomen and post office clerks who have been working their socks off to be able to put their feet up and enjoy the day. Very finally, you mentioned RT earlier. Um, your hat was in the ring, we're told. Um, were you disappointed about not getting the, the DG's job out there? Well, I was disappointed at the time because I hadn't had my extension to my contract here, but I am absolutely thrilled to be an on post. I think this is a fabulous company and, and it was, I don't want to sound too arrogant, but I think there's things RTE could learn from on post and that wasn't always the case. I'd say they probably thought on post could learn from RTE. So, uh, but look, I wish them all very well. It's been a very, very tough year for them and RTE. Yeah. It's tough in media, you know, it's tough for everybody, but we all just have to find our future. And that's what it's about. And, and 2024, no better year to find your future. Well, listen, David, uh, thanks for inviting us into this wonderful uh, building uh, that is the HQ now of OnPost. Happy Christmas to you and uh, thank you to OnPost uh, for all they do for everybody at Christmas. Thanks, Bobby, and happy Christmas to you. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.